Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. No, it just reminded me of the time that Richard Dunn came on for Ireland and uh, his shirt got ripped. <laughs> and in the most Irish moments of all time, they fucking drew the number five on the back of his jersey <laughs> with a fucking marker pen. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. I don't know if there's any place that exists on this earth, and I've certainly never experienced it myself. I've never read about it. I've never heard about it. A place more perfect, more blissful, more full of content than that place when your team has just won the 12.30 kickoff on a Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I want to live in that moment forever. Half two on a Saturday, looking at the full list of fixtures to come, looking at all the teams you're going to judge and all the players you're going to write off along the way, happy in the knowledge that you've got three points in the back pocket and it just so happens that you're also in the top half for now. But it's just a perfect, perfect place. And I don't know what comes close to it. Honestly, like, you know, I've never been married. I've never had children. And I I hope to do those things one day. And I hear that it is great. (laughs) <laughs> and I do, I really believe it as well. I do believe that it is you know, probably the best moment of your life, or sorry, the best day of your life. But I don't know if it would top the best moment. Like within that day, I'm sure it's great and I'm sure it's significant. If you can look back and pick out one single second or minute, would it be better than 2.25 on a Saturday after you've just won an away game? Yeah, and an away game as well that I was really worried about. I was fucking disgusted and pissed off whenever I saw that Rafa Benitez I got sacked because I thought, oh, here we fucking go. <laughs> exactly. A wee new manager bounces at fucking Villa seemed to have one these every fucking week. And then you could just sense the relief and the tension being washed away at Goodison Park as well, all that pent-up emotion and relief because they had replaced their manager with a thug. And I talk about out of the frying pan and into the fire. It's like a fucking 
burglar celebrating being arrested because they can't take the beating they're getting from Duncan Ferguson anymore. <laughs> Throw me in a fucking gulag. Just get me away from this psychopath. And yet we actually got that as well during the game. First 15 minutes, exactly what you'd expect from Duncan Ferguson. Even the team that he picked, just, you know, meat and two veg, keep it simple, back me basics, four four two. I don't even want the gravy. And we got it in their performance in the first 15 minutes. And I was like, oh, this is exactly... I didn't want to start my fucking weekend. Everton, the absolutely abomination that Everton have been this season, getting their season back on track by beating us. It turns out it was just a big load of fucking bluster from Everton. And it was a waste of time. And the final thing we got from that you would expect from Duncan Ferguson is the behaviour of their fucking scumbag fans. I think my 2.25pm feeling was a little happier than yours, obviously. (laughs) I I was fucking delighted I was just the panic and the dread and then to win that game such a disgusting shit game as well imagine if you didn't win that game how pissed off you'd be but no it was magical no you're so right I was pissed off at Rafa Benitez all week he couldn't just couldn't just see off Norwich couldn't just get (laughs) get a draw and delay the second until this game like he couldn't just do that like that 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 was the script that like that should have been so easily done. And the fact that Duncan Ferguson only had three days as well, so all this hustle and bustle I thought was going to pay off, like just bringing everybody together. The whole stadium was behind him from the start. And you're right, thankfully they had nothing really to to celebrate. And the only thing really that got them on their feet was the sight of Villa players celebrating. Let's let's talk about that right now because Emmy Buendia scores a screamer of a goal. We'll get into that in a second. Um, runs off celebrating. Like Emmy Buendia, I'm sure, doesn't know or care about which certain Everton fans sit around which certain part of the stadium. And he goes <laughs> off celebrating. His Villa teammates join him. Suddenly two of them are stricken down. I heard there were five missiles thrown at it. I think there were bottles. Like, full of bottles as well. Dangerous stuff. Like, ridiculous stuff. Like, can't imagine having the impulse to do that. It's it's beyond my comprehension anyway, but what's worse is that football has got itself into a state where some commentators actually feel the need to say, not the smartest decision to head over there to the Gladys Street end and celebrate. <laughs> like, he's playing a football match on the pitch, and it's only a football match as well, like you're in the grand scheme of things. Catch yourselves on, and like, it carries on. It's like, you know, we don't condone any of this from the fans, of course, but <laughs> players have a responsibility not like not to do what? Like exist, be on the pitch. Like the only problem here is somebody feeling the need to throw a missile at a player who's playing a football match. It's crazy, carry on. Oh, absolutely mental. I was watching on a US stream with if I assume at this stage, given the amount of work he gets, billionaire Jim Beglin on cool commentary. <laughs> <laughs> But whoever the main commentator was announcing players have a responsibility to not celebrate provocatively. What fucking planet are you on? First off, you've seen the celebration twice. There is no provocation. (laughs) Secondly, let you and I go out onto the street. I'll go out and I'll stand 30 yards away from you, wave my hands in the air and go, (laughs) Then you you fuck a bottle of Lucasade at my face and we'll see whose side the bystanders are on. Who said the fucking police are on? Like, I mean, what sort of a fragile idiot pays in to watch an event that involves two teams 
trying to score against each other and then loses the plot to such a degree that when one of them scores, he's willing to physically assault them, a fucking stranger, when their backs are turned. When they have no idea or no interest in you. Like, they don't even know you exist. You're just one of 40,000 flashes of colour in the corner of their eyes. And a bit of fucking cacophony in the stadium. He doesn't give a fuck. And I'll tell you what type of fragile idiot does that. The type that is delighted when a thug is put in charge of their club. I mean, that fucking utter scumbags. A fish rots from the head down. And when you have a club that is very happy to make Duncan Ferguson their spiritual leader twice, can you really be surprised that that club might have a few scumbag fans in their ranks? I mean, be a player that's sent off nine times playing in a position that requires very little tackling and tells you everything you need to know about him. And the other, the other type of idiot is one who will an, whose answer to the question, what do you look for in a player, is, well, well, he's got to have a bit of passion for a badge. And that's where the fucking irony comes full circle, Colin. Because, in fact, he hates passion. Because when he sees a player doing exactly what he expects from a player, celebrating a fucking goal, his tiny little mind fries and he can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, Everton fans inserting themselves into some sort of made-up relationship with Aston Villa players is really strange. It's, it reminded me of, do you remember the film Groot's Point Blank? And if anybody hasn't seen it, this guy is a serial killer. I haven't seen it in years, but I always like the one part of this film I always remember is he has to go back to a high school reunion, and I think he has to kill somebody at this. And sorry, he's not a serial killer; he's a he's a hitman, like he's a hired a hired gun, and he has to kill somebody at this school. And he's trying to get rid of the body, but while he's at this high school reunion, this guy after thirty years keeps coming back and be like, "Oh, here he is." Like, you know, here we are now, we're, we're, we're finally going to have this out, you and I, after all, like, you know, after everything that we went through back in the day, <laughs> he's trying to get rid of the body, this guy keeps coming down, trying to poke him and, and trying to build up this this war that's going to happen, and eventually he just cracks, turns around and says, do you really think, after all these years, there is something here between us? And that's Emmy Wendy to the Everton fans. There's nothing there between you. He, he's playing a football match. You're there watching it, supporting a different club that he doesn't know or care about. He's scored a goal. He's jumped into the air, turned around to his teammates, and you feel the need to try and get him to the ground. And, and he, like, well, typical of Everton's performance, they didn't get a shot on target. They didn't even get it on target. They hit Matt Cash and Luca Dean instead. <laughs> And that, that, that's the other, that was all Everton's performance was as well. It was just, you know, obviously all Duncan Ferguson said to him was go out there and put yourself about. I guarantee that was the, the entirety of his instructions at the, before the match and at halftime. Waste of fucking space. <laughs> he did get a, a reaction from Richardson, obviously the type of reaction he wanted to see from an Everton player. There was a, a five-second period, I think, Richardson could have had a red card, a yellow card, and he had a cynical foul. In five seconds, and he, he got nothing in the end. Var had a quick look and and carried on, but I assume that's what he wants from his Brazilian attacker. Well, that's exactly what Richarlison wants from his career. Apparently, that guy's a fucking scumbag. He just can't help himself. I cannot believe, like, as bad as Tyrone Mings' performance was today. I think the worst thing about it was that he couldn't get Richarlison sent off. Any centre half that comes away from a game of football that Richarlison has completed has fucked up. He's the most easily wound up player on the fucking planet. And if you can't get him to put in a red card tackle, then you've really, really cocked up your performance. <laughs> Let's talk about the goal. The only goal, the winning of the game. And like, you know, if we've had enough warning signs that Emmy Buendia was deadly in the air, 
like it just all came to fruition today. Like great run. Once again, people are sloppy marking him. Like the, the disrespect of Emmy Buendia's aerial prowess has to stop. It's like <laughs> what what sort of tape are these people watching? This boy will win the ball and he'll put it exactly where he wants with his head as well. And uh, like it's it's a great cross from from Luca Dean. It has the pace and the trajectory on it that it needs for Buendia to do what he did, which is run away from goals and get it back. Like he's running diagonally away from the goals as well and get it back over his head and in over. And it's, it's just, it really puts a cherry on top, doesn't it, when it's over Pickford and Pickford's arms are flailing for it. Yeah, I'd like to add Duncan Ferguson to the list of people that needs to start listening to the Villick podcast. It's an, <laughs> it's an absolutely amazing header. Yeah, you're right. The, the way he's running out and to get it back in, at that angle, it's just absolutely incredible, and it's been coming. Like I just hope that it's it's so surprising that analysts from all our clubs will just think it's an aberration and not cotton on to the fact that he's brilliant header of the ball. I just hope they're so confused by it, kicking Bishop Brennan up the arse. It's just so unlikely that Bundia actually just did that. It couldn't have happened, and they'll just go about their lives and won't work on it in the training ground. And Pickford... Times his jump really badly. He's coming back down as the ball's going over him, and he really can't afford to time his jump badly with his little T Rex arms, and they just can't get there. Do you know what's so good about that goal is that Coutinho just missed beforehand a header that gave us the corner. Pickford tipped it over, and I wrote it down sort of half heartedly for a, a potential Rossenthal award. But what I had written beside it was when Dia scores that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it actually looked like it was the first header of Coutinho's career. <laughs> he does well to reach the goals, and again, Pickford makes a fucking meal of it. It's straight at him, but it gives us the corner. It's worked out perfectly well for us. Yeah, what do you think of Coutinho? It was his first full debut. Um, I think he did gas out a little bit, showed a lovely couple of turns. Like he's just, he's just a classic sort of textbook example. Of somebody who opens his body up every time he gets the ball, turns on the ball, has his head up. He just. Ah, look, he just has better spatial awareness than I could ever dream of having on any sporting pitch. Like, he, he knows what's going on around him. Didn't think it was an amazing game from him. A few nice touches. I thought Villa, the performance maybe didn't help him either. I think they're just a little bit messy at the minute, still trying to, you know, feel out this formation and then these new players that have come in. I think they need to get used to bringing in the fullbacks a bit more often and a bit more early because. Like, well, A, they're deadly, they're dynamic, they're going to be able to attack, but they need to be able to get the ball wide as well because they're coming through the middle at the minute. And yeah, they're a bit predictable um, and it's a bit it's a bit slow in there sometimes. So if they can just introduce a few, and I'm sure it's part of the plan, is getting the ball out wide, even just to bring it back in, just to stretch the opposition a bit more. Um, I think then you'll start seeing more space created for not just Coutinho, for Buendia, who seems to create the space himself anyway, for Ramsey, for McGinn, who I thought as well were a bit quieter um, in attack. Like I thought Ramsey still had a few bursts, but McGinn especially, considering what we've had from him so far. Yeah, like Coutinho didn't really do that much. He was he was fine on the ball, but he couldn't really get on it often enough. I think he was... He was probably a bit tentative when he was on it, and he, he got knocked off it a few times. But yeah, you're right. You can see that there's definitely a player there. He's gonna be, he's gonna be a very good player for Villa. It's just about fixing the performance of the team so that we can exploit how good a player continues. Yeah, we'll get into more of tactics talks. We'll go through some of the players' performances, and first we'll do some WhatsApp winges. So we will see you there. Potential. 
week's wages docking coming up. I want to. I want. I want a, a judge's ruling on us. John McGinn is the only one guilty of it. He tried to cross, went out for a goal kick on his right foot, and, <laughs> and a bit close to the byline as well. There's two potential outs for him there. I don't know. I'll leave it over to you. I just think that that's something that looks so bad whenever it happens. You just look so out of control of your own body that you've never really kicked a football before. It looks so aesthetically poor whenever you just kind of swipe at a ball with your bad foot and it just goes in the same direction that you're running in. It's so dreadful. Maybe it's a different category, but it's definitely a week's way to stop for John. <laughs> and that's final. Uh, first WhatsApp wins. <laughs> You can't just time waste for 45 minutes. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, right? You see the way Villa saw that game out in injury time, the five minutes of injury time? It was brilliant. It was so professional. It was so controlled. It was class to see. But they had 45 minutes of practice before then. So like, it's really what we should have come to expect for a team who were getting used to time wasting from the very first kick of the second half. Yeah, and Gerrard's... Teams for Villa, sorry, obviously have tried this a few times as well, where they've just tried to see a game out as if they're being professional about it because they're so desperate with this idea of a clean sheet. And obviously it's important, and obviously we've conceded a lot of goals, but I don't think you need to do that against Everton. I don't think that's this is the game for it. And especially seeing that we weren't exactly solid at the back. I mean, Everton were getting opportunities to create chances, but you know, we weren't we weren't rock solid back there. I don't think it was a particularly good idea. And the other thing is, Craig Pawson really fucked up. I mean, he should have sent Emmy Martinez off. He booked him really early for time-wasting. And sure, that just gave Martinez the comfort of knowing there isn't a hope he's going to send me off for time-wasting. So he just continued <laughs> to do it for the last half an hour. Like he booked him in the 60th minute, and then Martinez just... I would say... 15 minutes of that game was Martinez holding the ball out in front of him and winding up like he's a fucking the roadrunner and in, in the, <laughs> he's about to kick the ball up the pitch. His leg was just spinning behind him. It was fucking hilarious. This is an interesting one because I, yeah, I had the same thought thinking, well, I've never seen somebody get sent off for time wasting before, but it does require... A lot of gonads from Emmy Martinez to just walk that tightrope. And I thought he was walking it with pleasure. Like he was walking it, juggling the ball that he wasn't kicking out. Like I'm laughing. Like laughing at everybody in the vicinity. Like it was it was crazy. Like I I, I really respect it. Once again, I love that Emmy Martinez and all his shithousing is part of Aston Villa. And it's just inside everybody else's head. The fans, the opposition, they hate it. Um but my God, he was running that right up to the wire. And I, I was thinking about myself in that situation. I think I would just be too much of a people pleaser and I would I would get the ball out quicker. Like, you know, I, I would be aware that my team would still want me to slow it down, but I would not be taking it up to that threshold that he was taking it up to. <laughs> yeah, like he just knows the rules. He knows you can only be booked once in a game for time wasting. <laughs> and like, it wasn't just the amount of time he was spending with the ball in his hand. There was one where... Him and Tyrone Mings just said, like, you know, leave it, I'll come out and pick it up. This yeah. time Tyrone Mings didn't jump over the top of his neck. Martinez <laughs> fell on the ball that he was just picking. The ball had stopped moving. And he came out and fell on top of it and lay there looking up the pitch as if he had just plucked one from the sky. <laughs> yeah. Maniac. Yeah. The the yellow card didn't deter him one bit. Like he just continued in the same vein. It was um Yeah, it, it was it was expert shithousery and like the 
the fortitude to do that under that pressure and that scrutiny is incredible. Um, second WhatsApp orange. This is Danny Ings themed. <laughs> you just can't run to the corner when you're trying to waste time and then flick the ball away from you before you get tackled. <laughs> if you're going to run to the corner, accept your fate. You are now in there. Like, look at John McGinn there. Falls on his arse. Bounces back up. Now he's got an advantage. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he wins the ball back and he ekes out another 10 seconds from it. And then even when the ball goes out of play, it's there and there and he boots it away. Danny Ings, in open play, runs to the corner, sees somebody come to tackle him. Oh, shit, shit, shit. Flicks it away and Everton just come running back out with the ball. Yeah, exactly. Fucking madness. It was, it was like he forgot why he was running into the corner in the first place. It's like he forgot that there was a reason nobody had come up with him. There was nobody there to flick it to Danny because you're fucking time-wasting. Everybody else is getting back in the shape and just leaving you hung out to dry in there. Now fucking hang. Keep the ball in the corner. What are you doing? John McGinn is just showing you what they do. Like you said, he's got an advantage. But, you know, you have to be a dickhead in there. And if you get the ball taken off you, then foul the guy, just grab him by the ankles. It's grand. That's what you're doing, though. Apparently, that's what Aston Villa are now. Uh, yeah, I, I just thought Danny Ings looked like somebody who's played too many five-a-side games and had to chase that ball into the corner where you get absolutely nailed and anything goes in there and all you can do is put your hands against the wall and hope, and hope just that that's all you're doing. You're just hoping that you can somehow hold people off because you're not getting out of there. So I think that's probably a good tactic for five-a-side players from now on. The ball goes into the corner, just flick it back out and teach people a lesson for playing at the end there. <laughs> he was actually probably playing more like somebody who plays for who played for Rafael Hasenhuttle twice and got beaten 9-0 in both those fucking games just had no idea how to see a game out there how to keep a bit of composure <laughs> I think there was an old WhatsApp wins wasn't there about Raf Hasenhuttle it was like you can't just keep losing 9-0 <laughs> You know, people are willing to be a good manager but like after a while you have to stop losing 9-0 once a season <laughs> third WhatsApp one I think Emmy Buendia in this game anyway and maybe more so in general over the last few weeks has a higher expected arse rate than John McGinn <laughs> that his XB is through the roof yeah and he's XA. actually <laughs> yeah, he's actually able to use his bum a lot better than it looked like he was. He's, he's gotten a lot more used to his own body. bit surprising that it you know took him three months into his Aston Villa career to understand his body. I mean, he's 25 years old. He's, he's had it for a long time now. And he was just getting ragdolled in the first eight or nine games for Aston Villa. And I was whinging about it so much. I couldn't believe that this lad thought he was good at doing this. Turns out that he actually knew he was good <laughs> and did it and can actually do it and pulls it off plenty of times today. <laughs> All right, we've got some awards to hand out after this. Good evening. I wanted to speak directly to our supporters to confirm the transfer of our captain, Jack Greedlish. And now we've been gutted, organ donors for the rich. Boston's taking our kidneys, Yankees are taking our heart. And to explain the background to this move. It's an unfair game. 
We offered Jack a new contract to stay at the club. Like this is business as usual. It's not. We agreed to incorporate a so-called release clause into his contract. Billy, that's trouble. Billy, if I may, uh, he certainly has had his problems off the field. Jack finally decided that he would like to go to City. We're trying to solve a problem here, Billy. Not like this, you're not. You're not even looking at the problem. We have planned accordingly. We've got to think differently. It was never our intention to replace Jack with one footballer. Guys, we're still trying to replace Gian. I told you we can't do it. We can't do it. Our strategy was to analyze and break down Jack's key attributes. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. What? How well? His creativity, his assists, his goals. That's what we're looking for. And to find these qualities and others in three forward players. Three ball players, three ball players. And in doing so, have also reduced an over-dependency on one brilliant footballer. Add that up and you get... Emiliano Buendia, Leon Bailey and Danny Ings. They truly are the future. If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. I don't know what that means. Let's start with the Emmy Martinez. Is Ronaldo not hitting it? Shithousery award. <laughs> It's going to take some top in his time wasting. That's obviously a uh, nomination. Martin is a time wasting after a yellow card. Second nomination comes from BP Hitch on Twitter. Buendia marking Yerry Mina from Corners is surely a shithousery award. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like Again, maybe Villa are just tapping into how good Buendia is in there, how good he is heading the ball. Or maybe they're just trying to get inside Yerry Mina's head. And it did seem like he was inside his head for a second. It's like... Why are you sending this? Like it's, it's the equivalent of is Ronaldo not hitting it? It's like <laughs> put, put the five foot seven lad on Yerry Mina, and that's fine. We don't need to worry about that. Yeah, I mean, if we thought Villa were taking it too far, trying to swing the ball into Bundy in the opposition box, this is taking the absolute fucking piss. <laughs> and we already know that Mina was probably a bag of nerves during that game because Emmy Martinez was there with his knife and fork out and. <laughs> he, he, he couldn't have wanted he couldn't have wanted to miss those few chances that he got any less I'm sure if he had a score he would have been fucking delighted but luckily we Emmy but he had just got enough pressure on him each time <laughs> uh, final nomination for the shithousery award is a, it, it's a potential winner Steven Gerrard sticking his tongue out at the Everton fans at the end and boy, did they fucking deserve it. What a pack of utter scumbags. And he fucking loves it as well. The way he reacted to the United fans as well, just turning around, slowly chewing his gum, taking it all in. He obviously fucking loves the pressure, loves the adrenaline that comes with playing football. I doubt he would throw a bottle of Coke at somebody's head. Though. <laughs> Let's uh, quickly go through the Ronnie Rossenthal Award. Actually, what, what do you have for the winner? I think I have Jared sticking his tongue out there because we're so used to Martinez time-wasting and... It's apt that he mentioned the Yerry Mina incident um, in the Copa America, but 
I think it's just you don't see a manager doing that really. <laughs> the away fans walking off after the victory, tongue out. How do you like that? Well, Colin, as you know, people probably shouldn't be trying to provoke the opposition fans or they're just asking to have things thrown at them from the stadium. <laughs> so I can't possibly condone that. I think I'm going to have to give it to Emmy Martinez for time wasting for 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then the future we'll be talking about Emmy Martinez was asking for some fan to run on and hit him because he was time wasting on the ball. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. And undoubtedly we'll be whinging whenever Villa do concede a last-minute goal and talking about how much time Emmy Martin is wasted that we no longer had at the end of the game. <laughs> maybe we just need to have a conversation in general about how we approach shithousing in football. Maybe <laughs> maybe we need to get rid of it. <laughs> Wouldn't be the same sport, Colin. <laughs> alright the Ronnie Rossenthal award uh, I don't really know if it's a nomination Douglas Louise free kick it was a decent attempt landed on top of the goals and then Emmy Buendia used that arse of his created a bit of space had a 20 yarder uh, Pickford saved it yeah, the, the Dougie one was it was a good effort the Buendia shot I mean Pickford needs to do a lot better with that he could have walked over and put his studs on it it was absolutely insane that he's parried it <laughs> it was really good from Buendia in the build up to it but Jesus no it was a dreadful save from Pickford um, and then walking slides Coutinho through and sort of like the Danny Ings thing take it on to your left man try to get on to his right this is in the box it was a bigger chance than it looked because he, he tried to he tried the Danny Ings cutback and I came into trouble and the only there's two more nominations we can come back to the Coutinho one if you want as well but um, Mings played a lovely ball through to Watkins he tried for long enough to play that ball and uh, it, was, it was a great ball in fairness to him in behind the defence Watkins great touch went with his left foot and he hit it well wide he probably should have went with his right I thought and just hit it over the other side of Pickford and the side he was trying and it's not really a nomination Pickford made a good save from Watkins's header but like, he should never be offside there either no he probably shouldn't he's got loads of time there for that there's so much space like Everton have just fallen asleep they've left Watkins at the back post and he's picked out brilliantly and it is an absolutely incredible save from Pickford it doesn't it doesn't just hit him like he does flick his leg out of it but I can't think of anyone I'd rather not be Aston Villa's goalkeeper than Jordan Pickford but even <laughs> even when he's playing against Villa he fills me with anxiety like even though I'm going to directly benefit from his mania it's just too hard to watch I just can't take it like the one he came out and had to drop the ball, he came out and got lobbed by Mina, coming sprinting off his line and just tensing every muscle and every sinew in his body to kick the ball up the field, regardless of how little pressure he has or how much time and space that he has. It's just, it's not for me, but like that was, <laughs> that was a really good save, but I just think he's panicking just and I just can't, I can't handle it. And it, every time he makes a save, I'm like, ah, for fuck's sake, I'm going to sound like an idiot now whenever I start slagging him off. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a more pointless contribution or, or like I don't even know if it's lip service but Jordan Pickford joining in for a corner you know coming up from his own goal it's like what? what is the point of this this is just ostentatious if ever I've seen it like this it's just this is just show like it's Duncan Ferguson let's show the fans that we care let's get Pickford <laughs> up and show that we're trying something like it's he's not Jordan Pickford is not going to get above anybody and win a header. Yeah, not with fucking Emmy Boudin in the box. <laughs> it is funny though. I was trying to think of the equivalent. Like, what would be the most pointless 
person for Villa to go up and they immediately thought of the smallest player. And I was like, well, hang on. Like, Buendia is infinitely better <laughs> than Pickford could ever dream. And that's including Pickford with his hands. I would, I would back Buendia. Yeah, it was just, it was absolutely pointless in the corner. It was shite anyway. Bent out of play before we got into the box. And I was actually, whenever I saw him coming up, I was just thinking, right, Martin, is whenever you catch this corner, which you inevitably will, because that's just what happens when an opposition has a corner against Villa, <laughs> make sure you don't time waste this time. Try to kick it into the effort net, because nothing could have brought me more joy than Martin is catching that and putting it over the top of Pickford's pointless head. Yeah. Um couple of nominations from an Everton point of view because like Villa got the clean sheet uh they saw the game out and look if you're going to play that way if you're going to be scrappy if you're going to dig one out like you you want to make sure you get the result and Villa got the result and that changes everything it changes your outlook on it all so um yeah if you have that conviction to see it through and get the three points then that's that's what matters in the end but Got, got a little lucky. Um, if Everton were a bit better, they would have put these away. So maybe, maybe you're just playing the man. Yerry Mina, you mentioned, had two big ones. Like one sort of bounced up for him from a corner, and he's headed it wide. Like, do you remember the one? He's, he has mm. the whole left hand side of the net. Matt Cash is just looking at it go over his head, heads it wide, and then he gets one from open play. Lovely crossing. Like it's it doesn't even need to generate any power considering how good the cross is, and he has ballooned it high and wide over the bar. Yeah, absolutely caught both and up, and there were big, big chances that was. I was just thinking, well, this is exactly what will happen. The, the Villa waste time and they can see the goal. You deserve everything. If you don't go out and try to see a game out with the ball at your feet, then you're just asking for trouble, even against a team that was playing as ineffectively as Everton. Because set pieces, like, it can just happen. Big Yerry Mina, six foot five, he can get this ball in the head, particularly whenever he's being marked by Emiliano Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin had a couple of misses as well one was a header to back post did badly on it I thought and then Gordon gave him a lovely crossing uh, one two over Charleston and I don't know what bounces in front of Calvert-Lewin but fucking hell like if that's a clear winner of the Rossenthal Award if that's a Villa player and to be honest it is the clear winner um, of the Rossenthal Award this week because he needs to put that away he's got an open net and he's he's hit it miles over from about five yards out yeah, yeah, it's 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 an absolute sitter. He has to score. I mean, there's a the ball is whipped in. Kanz is diving in in front of him. None of that should matter. I mean, he's he's an England national centre forward. Just score. The Peter Enkelman what the fuck award? We've got a subcategory first. Tyro Mings playing as an out half, find and touch. <laughs> Four times. Four times he found touch in this game. Like, lovely precision play from the rugby out half. Um, we need to get number 10 on his back to take it off, Buendia, who should have <laughs> number five, considering how good he is in there. Um, in the ninth minute, Tyro Mings, yeah, just a classic one. Like, you know, look at Dean's not there, and he just rolls it out for us to win. Halfway up the pitch, got the territory. Happy enough. 13 minutes in. So uh, he started off very brightly in terms of finding touch. From a free kick this time, <laughs> straight out of play but maybe he thought he was playing rugby it's it's our dead ball it's our set piece so we'll get possession we'll get the throw in up there if i can hit it out of play uh 43rd minute he was improvising at this stage he gives Everett in a corner he, <laughs> he waits he waits and he waits and he waits for the pressure to come and then he wants to play it once he's under pressure uh with his right foot as well doesn't find martinez finds touch <laughs> And he does it again in the 67th minute with his head this time. Like, these are instances that aren't clearances or blocks or tackles, you know, when he actually has to find touch and it's worth doing. These are just instances 
when he's looking to find touch. <laughs> it's incredible. Like they're all once again wrapped in their own what the fuck nomination. Yeah, like you can talk about his propensity for finding touch like a rugby player, and it all they all make sense. Looking for territory, I believe, is the parlance, but it's it's how panicky he is at the back now as well. I mean, I've previously asked for him to stop dicking around in the past to get rid of it, as you'd say yourself, but he's he's taking it too far. Like the balance just isn't there. He's playing like a Sunday league centre half, you know, concede the throw in and ask questions later. Like it's probably time for those fucking questions. Sometimes we should try to keep the ball when the opposition has played a stupid pass down the channel that is causing no danger. Just get turned. Richardson's not closing you down that tightly. Like he was, he was wild all game, just swiping at the ball. There was the one culminated conceding the corner just before half time. Immediately after half time, he's back giving us his favorite cons- concerning himself exclusively with the man to the exclusion of everything else: <laughs> the position on the pitch, the location of the ball, the temperature of the match. None of that seems to matter. But the number of times you're right that he's just turning the ball over the top to nobody or to touch is just unbelievable it was a really really bad performance on the ball which Mings will give you from time to time today was a really fucking stark example of it he wasn't that bad defensively on the ball it was fucking diabolical and it really fed in to how bad Villa were in that game yeah because like there was one brilliant tackle on Dominic Calvert-Lewin or he just it, it, it was the clearest example of someone nicking the ball away, just just swiping it off him. Like Calvert Lewin looked like he was breaking through, and and Ming sort of <laughs> maybe is playing a lot of rugby. He ripped it out of him with his feet, like you know, he just took it off off his hands basically, and then and carried back out with the the ball. I thought like you're right. I thought he was good um, defensively when he, he gave away two frees days of box. Like you mentioned one straight away, like on Calvert Lewin. I think one of them was on the Charleston as well. He just didn't have to give them away. Bards into the players back and. Yeah, uh, like just putting ourselves under needless pressure that we didn't have to. Uh, I got two more nominations for the What the Fuck Award. I think this is probably the winner. It's it's Luca Dean's slip. Um, like that's that's a goal against a better team or a couple of players going through with a bit more composure. DeCorey did not have it. It was DeCorey and Richardson going through. Ramsey had a bit of pace to kept up with him and managed to split the two of them. Gave DeCorey the decision. He tried to play it in front of Richardson and he just overcooked it. And then Martinez was out and just a lovely little touch to take it past Richardson and then cool everything down. Yeah, I mean, sorry, the Richardson, the way Richardson cho- closed down Martinez tells you everything about how needless it was for Tyrone Mings to panic whenever he was being closed down because he was stopped. Like, he didn't care. He was letting Martinez take it past him. Martinez did well, but Richardson wasn't defending that. There was no yeah. fucking interest in that lad. Uh, the decision to pass the ball to Dina, the decision to take a touch, the touch itself was all absolutely fucking brutal. But maybe maybe he was just playing the man. I mean, playing the man instead of the game, he knew the easiest way to get the ball back to Martinez after he was given that pass was to let DeCorey have it. DeCorey <laughs> will see this through to Martinez. Don't fucking worry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only other nomination is, I don't even know if you, you would remember this, John McGinn header puts Richardson straight through on the left hand side like uh, I think it was Yerry Mina may, might have been Holgate the poor fucker who uh, headed a ball clear just Villa had a ball over the top got headed clear by an Everton defender and it was just dropping to John McGinn all on his own in the centre of the pitch now, obviously he's not completely sure what's going on around him and he, he tries to head it back to Matt Cash and in the process just 
away you go, Richardson. Let's see what you can do. And Cash, <laughs> Cash has to take the yellow card. It's, it's like it, the best example of like, I'll I'll save us here now because you put us in this terrible position and a uh, weird another needless one. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's McInnes nominated, but I still think Luca Dean's going to win. Yeah, Luca Dean has to win. It was just so stark. It created a chance. Um, creating a yellow card situation for Matt Cash isn't that isn't that big a deal because at least we got out of the situation. But it was absolutely insane. They just heads the ball blind, expecting his fullback. You can't pass. We said this last week. You can't pass to your back four without checking if they're fucking there. <laughs> they're the last man on the pitch. Have a fucking look. Say it louder for those down the back. <laughs> uh. Tim Sherwood, we played two number tens and bamboozled them award. Let's let's go with the first nomination. The team, like it's the team that we all wanted to see. Gerard made the big call. He dropped a couple of big players. I think there was a feeling that Sanson would keep his place because he'd been going well. Uh, maybe Coutinho just wasn't ready, and he might mess around. Put Ramsey in number ten. You know, little things like this were creeping in. Does does things get dropped finally? He made all those calls. He picked the team that everybody wanted, and it was. It made me feel a lot better considering how much I was coming into this game feeling sorry for myself that Everton had a new manager. <laughs> then once I saw Villa's team, I was like, I can't believe this is this is Aston Villa's team though. It looks so good on paper. It's going to take a bit of figuring out, obviously. I think um, from today, it really shows that it needs a, a good bit of figuring out. But yeah, I think Gerard deserves credit for going with that team anyway, away from home as well. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the team that he has been building towards. This is the team that he wanted for so long. And he signed two players to give him this team. And ironically enough, it was undoubtedly the worst performance from a Gerrard team <laughs> since he's taken over. And to be fair, one of the lowest quality games of football I've ever seen. I mean, I think Villa completed 70% of their passes and Everton completed 66%. Jeez. That's fucking horrendous. The amount of long balls we talked about Tyrone Mings there, the amount we were playing was pathetic. And how and when we were playing them was worse. Long balls that just took out our midfield, bypassed the midfield three, and they were hit far too early to have Coutinho and Bundia getting in around Watkins. And that was probably less of a worry because the balls were normally nowhere near fucking Watkins. So the lads getting close to him would have been irrelevant. Yeah. But when you bypass the midfield, you can't get the ball to the fullbacks either. You just can't get the pattern set. You can't get them into the game. And what is the point of playing Ramsey, Dougie and McGinn in midfield if you're not going to play through them? What is the point of playing two number 10s if you're going to bamboozle them by lumping the ball over the top of their fucking heads? Get the ball into the feet. We're playing Philip Coutinho and Emmy Wendia. Get them the fucking ball. Like yeah. They understand how much Watkins, Ramsey, McGinn, Cash, Dean... Want Coutinho and Bundia getting on the ball and getting turned. But like not only is lumping the ball bonkers because it's a waste of talent, because Dougie, McGinn, Ramsey, Bundia and Coutinho are all brilliant on the ball, it's also madness because they've they've not they're not good at defending. The risk reward is just tilting in one direction if you're not gonna use their talent. It's like robbing a bank in broad daylight and then using the cash as fucking kindling for the fire. <laughs> Waste of time. <laughs> yeah, like I say, it has a bit of figuring out to do. <laughs> uh, but I think we'll get there. There were a couple of instances where Cash and Dean came into it, but Cash especially on the right, and it only happened maybe twice today. Like you know, We've seen how prevalent he can be in the system, and 
it just injects it. It's a different point of attack. It's wider. He's got that dynamism that I mentioned earlier. And then everybody else feeds off that as well. Like it, we, we just need to play through that a bit more, trust that a bit more. And yeah, maybe we still need to figure out how we're getting from defense to those boys. Because I think Douglas Ruiz dropping a bit deep as well. Um, so he's not he's not a great option for Tyrone Mings. He's being closed down because he's, he's holding the ball until he is closed down. And then eventually he goes over the top. And look, he goes over the top too often for it not to be okay or for it to be some sort of instruction as well. Um, so a strange one I think they'll figure out I think it's obvious how he wants to play if this is a team he's picking but um, yeah we're, we're not there yet anyway but we're still winning along the way yeah and there was a there was a brilliant moment where Coutinho gets on the ball and he plays a brilliant pass that tells Cash to go and where to go and it's brilliant from Cash even he bursts past two players and then he drills a pass with the outside of his foot into Buendia who actually takes a good touch because of the pace on the pass, but it's not good enough, and the Everton defender comes around on the cover. But it was it was just a magical little moment out in the right between the two number tens, who can just float around the pitch, and our right back who will just drive forward at every opportunity. And you can see the benefit of the system. But you're right. How do we get those players into the into the match, and how do we get get them on the ball? How do we get the ball from the defence forward? It's not through the fucking air it's through the midfield players that were playing on the pitch that's that's the key to this pass the fucking ball to your teammates yeah second nomination um i have bringing carney on and ings because actually that they're two subs that i wanted to come on then i thought we needed carney to come in at that stage i mentioned coutinho just looking like he was losing a bit of legs I just wanted it, even just for a physical presence but also i thought carney was really good against united so i wanted to see more of him um, and the Ings one is genuinely, you know how much I love Watkins, but I thought he wasn't good today, so I don't mind just putting a rocket up some people's backsides as well. And I love Gerard's quote during the week. He said, players have to accept that I'm going to improve this club in every single department. If someone comes in in your position, accept it and fight for your place. And same applies for Watkins. We were saying pick one striker. We were saying pick Watkins. He's your striker. Um <laughs> But yeah, you need to keep that position yours in. Like you know, I, I want Watkins to be a player you don't take off. That's what I want for him. Like a ninety-minute player that's just always on the pitch. He has to be on the pitch. Today, he gave he gave the manager an out. Like you know, he made it reasonable that he would come off, and I don't want that in him. So I love the fact then that we can just throw on Danny Ings because of that reason. Yeah, continue just to get back. Like he had completely dropped off a cliff, and I was desperate for Chuck Wemmick to come on, not just because of his performance against United, because I thought the game needed needed a minute as well, a bit more physicality, a bit more drive on the ball, and Coutinho had just stopped playing essentially. He was gone completely, and he did very well to stay on to the seventy something minute, I think it was the seventy second minute. Um and and then to get back to Watkins, this is why you sign Danny Ings. This is what we've said all along. You sign Danny Ings because Nolly Watkins might be shit some games, especially whenever your team isn't playing in the fucking ball in any sort of reasonable position. But he also just might not be having a good game. His touch might be as magical as it once is. So you've got Danny Ings, a class centre forward, ready to come onto the pitch. And how healthy a position is that that Aston Villa are in where they're bringing on Danny Ings? Danny Ings doesn't start for Aston Villa. Fuck me. What sort of a position have we got ourselves into in the last three years that we've now got Danny Ings sitting on the bench, pushing Ollie Watkins out of the team in the last 20 minutes of a game that we've only 1-0 up in? It's incredible. 
Yeah. I heard them say on Redman TV during the week, and I didn't really agree. I'm sure a lot of Liverpool fans wouldn't agree either, but they were talking about transfers they'd like to see into the club, and Danny Ings was one of them. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, this boy can't make the Villa team. I'm sure in their heads as well, he wasn't making the Liverpool team, but they wanted him around. Um, and yeah, that's that's the position we're in. We have Danny Ings around. Nice to have him around, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's fucking glorious. I mean, he was absolutely useless when he came on. He did fuck all. <laughs> but you know, people are going to be looking at that, Conor. People don't watch Aston Villa. They're just going to see that they've got Danny Ings on the bench, and that's going to cause a little bit of consternation, a bit of panic in their pre-match talk. Yeah, it is funny. Like, cause you know, when you're so close to the paint and you're so involved in every little bump and and <laughs> knock along the way. I was in the shop last night, and somebody just said to me, "You must be buzzing now," and I was like, "What?" And he was like, Villa. I, I was like, oh, she's going all right. They're <laughs> you know, putting together a, a, a decent... T- he was like, you're going brilliantly. <laughs> I was thinking, you didn't watch the fucking Brentford match, all right? <laughs> yeah, we haven't won in four games, you cunt. <laughs> yeah. You just know who Steven Gerrard is and you're kind of interested now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, 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 the outside of the house looks fantastic now, especially with Coutinho in there as well. Uh, you like Dan Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award. <clears throat> Big one. Not going at them. And especially in the second half. Just put them away. We've had this too often now. I think. Not, not just under Gerrard. But like there's a lot of teams that are going through the motions in the Premier League. And they're crying out to be beaten. And we just didn't. We didn't go at them. Like We should have just went out and tried to kill that game off. And like I said, we were just going out and trying to kill the time off from minute one of the first half. Yeah, and to be fair to Everton, like I said, they made the game very, very scrappy. So whenever Villa tried to play a bit of ball, they couldn't. And then they just fell fell into a bad habit of not playing any at all. And to let Everton get back into that game was criminal. I mean, Everton haven't won a game of football in so long. I can't remember when it was. And you're 1-0 up against them in the second half, especially. Come out in the second half and just put them to fucking bed. Keep the ball, pass it around, see it out that way. Not what fucking Tyrone Mings hitting 70 yard passes to the linesman. <laughs> it was such a scrappy game that I'm actually surprised that there were only seven yellow cards in the whole match. But then maybe that just speaks to the referee performance as well. But it seemed like every tackle that went in could have been a yellow card. I, I thought I heard the commentator say nine at one stage. Not that that fucking plonker could be trusted after what he said about the provocation from Buendia when he scored. But like, yeah, Pawson was was dreadful it was he made he made the game worse I mean, it was always going to be a bad game given the performance of the two teams but the way Pawson was refereeing it was horrible I mean referees have their pet hits and Craig Pawson seemed to be fussiness at set pieces just getting involved every time two adult human beings made physical contact with each other and his other pet hate seems to be fucking Aston Villa the amount of fouls he gave Everton that he wouldn't give the other way the amount of times a Villa player had his thighs knocked as he was dribbling and Pawson just had no interest probably reveals how little understanding he has of how easy it is to foil someone who's trying to dribble between two or three players and turn his body shape one direction then back into another direction it's so easy to get knocked over and if you hit somebody's thighs when they're doing that it's a fucking foil especially if you're stepping across them it kept happening to Jacob Ramsey 
The Richardison foul on Mings towards the end of the game, the old Harry Kane special, where he turns around, looks at the man and sticks his fucking arse into him. Yeah. The man who can't control himself anymore because he's jumped into the air actually trying to play the fucking ball. Again, revealing the complete lack of understanding of the game that Pawson has and how dangerous and disgusting what Richardson has just done is. It was fucking baffling. It was a terrible performance and it nearly ruined the game. Luckily for him, the sets of players did that themselves. Yeah, and you're right, nine yellow cards, so don't trust livescore.com as far as you can throw them. Um, <laughs> yeah, the only other nomination I have for you, like Glenn Whedon, take a 90-minute penalty award, and I think it's a winner. I think it's going to go to Everton yet again. <laughs> Starting Andros Townsend ahead of Gordon. Yeah, Gordon was absolutely incredible when he came on. He had some amount of energy and just whip on the ball as well whenever he got it. Apart from that set piece at the end that he whipped out of play, <laughs> he was actually he was really dangerous and he caused us loads of trouble whenever he got on. Yeah, baffling decision. Yeah, like every everything he did was great. Like it was just like how like, there's nowhere like Townsend won he Townsend won the uh, I say Westwood. Oh, he was playing award by the way. You know, like he like I forgot about that award because I forgot about Townsend so much. <laughs> um, everything Gordon did was just dangerous and all in the money. It was uh, it was strange that he that he didn't get a look in over Townsend who hasn't been good forever. Yeah, no, it was it was baffling decision. The Vimon meter. I don't know how many times this lad is going to go up, but Matt Cash yet again. Make sure that he's at the ceiling now. This boy, it's, it's just warms the, the the heart, doesn't it? Like he's just there doing his job over and over, putting out fires for people. He he got a block. Do you remember the block he got in Richardson? Richardson went through because Aston Villa conspired to let Jordan Pickford's goal kick bounce in behind the defence, and you know Richardson <laughs> just ran straight through. I don't know how that happens. And Matt Cash was the one alert. And got the block. He seemed to be the one alert all the time. I mentioned the taking the yellow card for John McGinn's mistake so often, just looked a bit perilous sometimes. And then Cash would come along and arse his way inside somebody and carry the ball away, or just stand them up and let them run out of play over and over and over again. This man is just—he's more than a rock. Like he's a—he's a terrier back there. And then when he's on the ball, he's like a terrier as well. Yeah, and the the, the stamina and the. And the fitness as well, on top of that as well. The amount of high-intensity runs he does and just the constant running that he does as well. The guy's never standing still. As soon as Villa get the ball, he's gone. As soon as the opposition get the ball, he's gone back again in the opposite <laughs> direction. It's absolutely insane. And to do that's one thing, but to have quality whenever you're doing it, whenever you're putting in that energy and that effort, it's just it's unbelievable. And we could see from the very start of the season how important he was going to be to Aston Villa. He's easily been Villa's best player this year because he's been so consistent at such a high level. Gave away one daft penalty, but given that he's been absolutely brilliant for the other 20 games, it's hard to hold that too much against him. <laughs> yeah. Um, going up as well, I, ha- I have Kanza just because we've talked about some of the wobbles that Mings is having on the other side. And just time after time, Kanza's there solid every single week and I have Buendia going up as well because after all these good performances the last few weeks I don't actually think I've officially recognised him in the Vimin meter so here he is officially going up on the meter too Ah, Buendia was very good particularly in the first half when nobody else was really playing Buendia was finding little pockets he had two or three shots there was one where he just ran straight through the middle of Everton's midfield absolutely took a brutal shot at the end dragged it about six yards wide but just 
getting the ball and running straight at the heart of an opposition team. There was two midfielders in front of him. It's not like the space had opened up. He yeah. just skinned two centre midfielders, went by them like they weren't there, bore down on goal, took a terrible shot. But as I said, Conor, he, gave, he bought himself the right to take that shot. <laughs> no, he did. And you know what else? Like, why he had the right to take it as well? The runs were terrible. People were like, Cash maybe had a, a bit more of a right to say, you know, come on, like look out right. But he, he was looking up like he always looks up to show the slow-mo over as well. He's running with his head up and he's looking at Coutinho and Watkins. <sighs> you know, they're not free. The pass isn't on. So he decides to take the shot himself. He, like, he has the right anyway because of how he's playing. But when that's what's presented in front of him, just take the shot. And that is the best thing about him, that he that he does always have his head up. And the most baffling thing about him as well, because how can you have such nimble little feet dancing around players when you've got your fucking head held up so high as well? <laughs> the, just the intuition of where the ball is is incredible. Yeah, going down, <laughs> going down, the Villa Reserve kit man absolutely bombing down the motorway with a second set of numbered jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> I thought initially, or maybe maybe our finances are going down that we couldn't afford a second set of numbered jerseys. Jacob Ramsey just looked like a fan running around out there without the the name and number at the back when he had to change his shirt. But but then he emerged in the second half, <laughs> and I just had this image of a kit man coming in out of breath and grabbing the jerseys off him. And here you go, Jacob. Like weird, weird carry on. I don't know if you have much to say about that. <laughs> no, it just reminded me of the time that Richard Dunn came on for Ireland and uh, his shirt got ripped. <laughs> And in the most Irish moments of all time, they fucking drew the number five on the back of his jersey <laughs> with a fucking marker pen. Oh, that's the best. That just summed up Ireland in the, in the 2008, 2009 year. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, going down, Kappa stock. How many shirts are going to rip out there before we all just start thinking maybe maybe this quality isn't good enough? <laughs> Yeah, and there was, he barely even had a, a, a hand on Jacob Ramsey. Well, it seems so not. I know he was a big man falling over, but fucking hell. Yeah. It's a bit of how light is that piece of material. It was insane. Look at Dina got a hole around his nipple area. It's like, how, how does that even happen? Like, <laughs> unless someone's there with scissors trying to cut it. I don't know how you get a hole that's not connected to the edge of the shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's mad. And Bundia was pointing at his nipple at one stage as well. Maybe Yerry Mina was just running around pinching people. I don't know. <laughs> he did look to be suggesting that he was pinching him, actually. Um, and going down uh, once more, second time it's going down, is the Claret socks. I told you I don't like them. Um, <laughs> and I especially don't like them with the Claret shorts. I've never seen that combination before. But uh, the players, they, just, they, they look a half a yard slower with the socks. I'm sorry for the fashion overload on the Vimin meter today. I don't know if that was to do with the socks or if that was just to do with their general play. I don't think it was the the socks that made them look slower. I think it was the fact that they were just genuinely happier slower yeah. than they normally are. Well, let's see a sample without the socks and then we'll see. Then we'll be able to tell. <laughs> Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Is it only an Arsenal player who'd release an apology statement for being sent off in the 90th minute of a League Cup game when you're 2-0 down? <laughs> This boy has flown from Africa on the same day from a tournament that he was just playing in and he's come back for the cause and he feels the need to apologise. Like, they should be apologising to me. Like Arteta should be apologising for actually making me play in this match. <laughs> yeah, just come from that? Africa. <laughs> of course I'm going to get sent off. <laughs> it was an absolutely incredible cameo. It was one of the, 
one of the best things I've ever seen. It was like the time Stephen Gerrard got subbed on against Man United, and before the fourth official lowered his board, he'd put in two red card tackles and got the fuck out of there. Thanks, <laughs> Anfield, this being emotional. I think that was actually his last game against United as well. Fuck me. There was something really enjoyable about Liverpool turning that game around as well. And do you know what I think it was? I think it was because of the mistake I just made in implying that Arsenal had achieved something that needed to be turned around in the first leg. I mean, the celebratory tone from their players and fans at not winning a game of football was mental. I mean, the jubilation of eking out a draw. Like, I, I know it was against Liverpool at Anfield, but come on. I think they had three shots in that game. I think Liverpool had 20. Manny and Salah weren't there. James Milner must be pushing 60 now. Just fucking relax. You didn't win. And do you know what else? There's another fucking yeah. leg to come. Stop <laughs> the celebrations. That, that that was really the most standout for me. It was like, fair enough if you had a, eked out a, at one point in a, a tough away league match and you're going to carry on now with a nice handy game against Brentford next week. Like You're playing Liverpool next week in the same competition, in the same round. It's two legs. And uh, they just got their arses handed to them. And like, seeing Thomas Party come out afterwards with a proper, like we're talking about United players and all these other players feeling the need to address their performances on social media. And Thomas Party for getting sent off. Like, join the, like, you're the 14th player to get sent off under Arteta. Like, you're not alone in this. Don't worry about it. And you've got sent off at a time in a match that absolutely had no relevance. Although, the funny thing is, because of how it worked out with COVID and with the, uh, Ghana getting put out of the African Cup of Nations, Thomas Party didn't actually miss any league matches because of that tournament. And now he's going to miss one because he gets sent off. <laughs> That's brilliant. And the other thing is he was replacing Granite Jacka as well. Surely a part of that role description is to get yourself sent off, moronically. <laughs> uh, last one. What? What does Jake Humphrey think he's going to get out of this constant arse licking of Frank Lampard? <laughs> what's what's in it for him anymore? Like we're talking about Kappa stock going down. Frank Lampard's stock is is down, and I can't see it going up much further. Like he's not going to get a job as big as Chelsea anymore. He's not Frank Lampard the player anymore. It's not. I don't know why it's in Jake Humphrey's interest to continue banging this drum. Like he put out a tweet: Chelsea twelve points off the top. Frank Lampard lost his job a year ago this week, 11 points off the top. <laughs> uh, surely he should be tweeting sarcastic thanks to Frank Lampard. I mean, if he was thanking him for his non-existent role in Tuchel winning the Champions League, then surely Frank Lampard must shoulder some of the blame for this as well. And that tells you everything you need to know about Jay Humphreys, and it probably tells you more about the English media in general. Like you give them a presentable young Englishman and they will just hype the living fucking daylights out of him. Like we all know that a full tilt Thomas Tuchel Chelsea team would be the full tilt Frank Lampard Chelsea team 3-0. There's no question about that. Yeah. And because, because he's a presentable young Englishman, Frank Lampard is still linked with every managerial post that comes up. And it's not because he took Derby from sixth place to sixth place in the championship. It's not because he took Chelsea from third to fourth, then spent two hundred and fifty million and took them to ninth. It's not for any of that. It's because he was a good lad, a good English lad of a certain ilk who spoke to journalists after games. And 
Why do you need you right? Why do you need Frank Lampard to be good to be a success? Why is this important to your happiness, Jake? Like he's not at your club anymore. It's fucking weird. There are loads of things to get excited about with football. Frank Lampard's managerial career isn't one of them. <laughs> certainly his performance to date isn't. And do you know what is something to be excited about? The fact that he's not Chelsea manager anymore because he was shit. <laughs> Ironically, this time last year, which is what Jake Humphreys refers to, he tweeted after the decision to get rid of Frank Lampard, it's a heartless decision from Chelsea. I know football doesn't do sentiment or emotion, but Frank had a great last season. This season has had his first tricky spell and he's gone. Wrong call. I mean, if Frank had a good season the year before, getting fourth, like what, what did Thomas Tuchel have, taking the ruins that Frank Lampard left him and winning the Champions League with? I would say an incredible <laughs> And again, maybe, Chelsea maybe if Frank Lampard won the Champions League, maybe if he won the Champions League, he would have a bit of credit in the bank as well, like Thomas Tuchel obviously has. Yeah, and maybe if he had have improved the team, like, like I said, Frank Lampard finished fourth. Chelsea won the FA Cup and finished third the year before. <laughs> yeah, it's on the same week as well that Thomas Tuchel actually got Chelsea into the... League Cup final too. Do you know? It's, um, yeah, look, it's 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 something that we shouldn't really be too surprised about. It's something that carries on all the time. But like Frank Lampard's next job is going to be interesting because obviously I, I, he's come from Chelsea. I don't think now he's going to want to take a smaller job. He's not going to get a bigger job, and he's not going to do well when he eventually does realize that he has to take Watford. <laughs> Whenever they get rid of Ranieri next week or whatever, um, and it's it's not going to get any better. Like you know, maybe Jake Humphrey likes him. That's all right, fair enough. Like who you want. That's my advice to anybody. Um, Conan, I like I, you, but I'm not fucking saying you should get the Aston Villa job. Why not? <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. I'll have to swallow that one. But <laughs> we've got a we've got a, a break now before the next Aston Villa game. I think it's Leeds. On the 9th of February, sounds like a midweek game to me. Um, or maybe a Monday night match, I'm not sure. But it's a bit of a break now, so maybe we'll decide what to do in between. Maybe I might be able to roll you out for another podcast. Give us your suggestions if you have any. Um, we're on the Villa podcast at gmail.com. Um, so it'd be good to actually hear what you think we should do. <laughs> Just putting our editorial direction in the hands of anybody listening. Uh, or get us on Twitter, the Villa podcast. We're on the road. It's nice to go into a bit of a brick with a victory. And it's Leeds next for the first time this season. So it's going to be a bit mad, to say the least. Um, and yeah, we will see you then. Or maybe beforehand. <laughs> Keep in touch. See you later. All the best. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 